You're listening to The Athletic Mind with your host, Taylor Cook and Lauren Williams. Welcome back to another episode of The Athletic Mind, where we dig deep and shed light on the mental side of sports for athletes and coaches by having open conversations about mental health, mindset, and performance. Welcome back to season two of The Athletic Mind. I'm so excited to be back in studio with you, Lauren. It's been like a month now, which is mind-blowing to me. So there's a lot to catch up on, but how are you doing over there? I know I'm doing pretty well. Um, you know, you say like a month feels mind blowing, but I can't get over how much I needed the R and R. Like when you're just go 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 all the time, sometimes you don't take the minute to you know sit back and reflect on how you're doing on a consistent basis, and going home like forces you to do that especially when you're in the coaching world right because like there's no team in front of you anymore to worry about so when I got home I just asked myself why am I so exhausted why am I so exhausted I I couldn't wake up in the morning for the first couple days and I was like oh I'm tired (laughs) time to take a break but it was good it was good to get the break well, I feel absolutely. energized moving forward. <laughs> Good to hear because it's going to be a big year, 2023. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I know what you mean about like the R&R. And I don't know if I really had a ton of that over the Christmas break. So like my my family was visiting, mm-hmm. which was amazing. Love them. But there was so many complications with travel for them that it's just, you know, their their flight got delayed and then they missed their connection and then they got stuck in an ice storm. So they were stuck at the airport for 28 hours. We had to cancel our trip to Berlin. And then when they finally got here, both of their luggages got lost and they were lost for like a week. And then after we got the luggage, we went down to Cologne so we could go and watch the, the outdoor game, which is like obviously super exciting. It was a great experience, but my mom got mm-hmm migraine headache sick so she was down and out for like the entire time we were in Cologne she was like in the hotel the whole time I felt so bad um so it was a bit of a struggle bus at the start but Mm -hmm. things picked up and you know families got to meet and now we got a we have a new member of the family we have little Charlie so the cutest dog the cutest dog ever he's so cute and I love him so much and he's great most of the time (laughs) but getting the zoomies in our little apartment is a little bit challenging so yeah yeah puppies and apartments is always a fun time (laughs) oh goodness I I tell you like the first week that we had him my phone was constantly sending me notifications like the the health app was like your like daily steps trend has increased your daily flight step has increased (laughs) I was like, oh my God, like this is insane. I think I averaged like 20 flights of stairs a day or something like that. It was brutal. <laughs> 2023, new you sponsored by your dog. <laughs> Absolutely. Gonna have some uh, solid glutes, hopefully, by the end of 2023. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, if you get it, you get it. No one asks how. <laughs> Well, sometimes I ask how I got a dog. If you want, if you want to get in shape, get a dog. (laughs) Get a Um, dog. But yeah, you know, 
2023 new year bringing in a lot of really exciting things for both of us on a personal level but also obviously mm-hmm. going to be introducing a lot of new things to the podcast we're going to be working on getting a lot more guests on here of a diverse background in the sense that we have different sports different countries like origin all that stuff like we're hopefully going to be getting a lot more guests in here so we can start to broaden the scope of the athletic base that we have um gonna be I'm gonna do my best on the the social media front anyway I know I've been really really inconsistent with it but that is one of my goals also is to be a bit more consistent with getting some stuff out there on social media more activity more engagement with with the listeners and I think the most exciting thing at least for me hopefully for you too is building the community aspect this year for all the listeners where they're going to be able to connect with other athletes and interact with us coaches and gain access to exclusive coaching offers and so, so much more. So excited about that. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I learned from sport and from being an athlete is that the thing that I miss the most is often the community that comes with it. Mm -hmm. Having that built-in group of friends who understand you and what you're going through so that's kind of what we want to mimic with the community that we're going to get going here no promises yet exactly on what it's going to look like because we are still figuring that out as it goes but what we can promise is that there's going to be some really good content coming to it so we're excited to get going um but as always be patient with us there's only two of us only two of us and there's so much to do and so little time to do it unfortunately yes but that's the motto of my life (laughs) yeah I feel the same honest to god Mm -hmm. um and there's actually one thing that I did not share which I I mean you know but listeners don't know um Mm -hmm. the biggest change for me going into 2023 is I am after 25 years hanging up the skates mid-season which is a bit of a doozy but Mm -hmm. um I think it's much needed it's been a really amazing time and and great opportunity to be able to travel and meet new people and experience new places and cultures and stuff um but I'm really excited to jump into coaching full-time uh it's where I'm starting to see a lot of my emotional like ROI coming in Mm -hmm. Uh, and unfortunately I just wasn't feeling that with the game and not that I don't love the game anymore but it's just different now you know like it's it's a completely different ball game from like playing at university and like with all the travel we had involved like six countries in two months Kazakhstan being one of them I was so burned out trying to balance everything so it's a much much needed transition and I think this also this community aspect also will help me transition in a more smooth fashion as well so I'm really uh bittersweet you know bittersweet about it all welcome to retirement you can say that you retired before 30 and everybody's gonna be jealous just don't tell them what you retired from it was a job (laughs) it was a job yeah it was didn't make a lot of money with it but that was fine (laughs) yeah oh yeah but we need to also take a little bit of time I know we did reflect on a lot of things last year uh, Mm -hmm. before closing out but there's a lot of W's uh, for women's sports in 
2022, especially continuing moving on into 2023. So let's mm-hmm. talk about it. My God. Okay. Um, where can we start? Um, well, number one, I mean, let's talk about the WNBA for a little mm-hmm. bit. Talk about women's sports exploding. Yeah. What the WNBA was able to accomplish. And, you know, they had a hundred percent, they had some momentum going into this year with what they were able to do during the bubble season and all of the like social justice tones that they took on and championed and became advocates for, and then stepping into a fully normal season and absolutely tearing it up in terms of viewership. Mm -hmm. I remember watching a few games and I watched the championship that the aces won. Holy cow with a Las Vegas native in the room with me. So that was wild to see. Mm -hmm. Um, And just getting to watch women's professional basketball on prime time consistently. Huge. Oh, for sure it is. I mean, I don't actually watch WNBA at all, but I do see so much activity on social media for them and like seeing them in the headlines very, very frequently. And obviously with everything that happened with Brittany Griner, is that how you pronounce Mm -hmm. her name? Yeah. Everything that happened with her last year was talk about like overwhelming and stressful for everybody that she's related to and all of her teammates and staff and stuff. So obviously I think Mm -hmm. that also helped to spike viewership a little bit more, but this past WNBA season was the most watched season since 2006. It's amazing. I I don't have the exact year on when it became a thing, the WNBA, but I would venture a guess to say that that's pretty close to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Early two thousands. So if you think about the growth of women's sports right now, um, and we had Caroline Fitzgerald on, quite a while ago women's sports are the fastest growing commodity in the sports industry if you don't believe it yet you need to start because we have the most room to grow in women's athletics Mm -hmm. um and the WNBA is a great example of that for sure Oh, absolutely it is. And we're also starting to see it pick up in women's soccer as well. So the Mm -hmm. NWSL increased their salary cap for the 2023 season. And the U.S. Women's Soccer League also announced a 25% salary cap increase. And to top it all off, to keep things going here, we have (laughs) the former Canadian national soccer team players, uh, Diana Matheson and Christine Sinclair, have announced their intentions to launch a domestic professional league in Canada beginning in 2025. So talk about growth, not just in obviously the the salary that these women are going to be receiving, but also creating an entire new league within Mm -hmm. Canada that is absolutely massive. Yeah, it's it's huge for so many reasons. And I remember hearing somebody talk about this briefly. in terms of being like afraid of what it was going to do to the sport, like dilute the talent or whatever. And my first thought was how many division one and U sport, like women's soccer players are there in the world. And for the most part, like in North America where, you know, division one and U sport are, there's two teams that you can make it to the biggest stage on and it's team Canada and the U S 
-hmm. And the U.S. has done well with creating a league, but there's still, what, less than 10 teams, Taylor, in the NWSL? I believe so. And I don't know if they announced an expansion. I don't think they did this year. I can double check, but I don't think that they did. There are one, two, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Oh, there's more than 10. Oh. 11, 12. There's 13 teams okay. in the NWSL. All right. There we go. So you think about all the colleges in the U.S. and Canada that have women's soccer teams, and there's only 13 places that they can go play right now. Mm-hmm. Not all of the talent is getting an equal shot at being able to play because not all of the talent has you know in the past not that this is the major problem anymore but had the finances to be able to pick up and go to a team in portland if they were from ohio or canada Mm -hmm. right like not everybody had that opportunity so the sport is growing and there are people women that are capable of playing it and Mm -hmm. i'm so excited to see what that does in the future yeah, and it's not just the salaries that are increasing. Like it's quite evident that it's the fan bases that are growing too, and it's because there's more prime time coverage, obviously. And so yeah. I was doing a little bit of research on this, and actually, um, aside from what I'm about to say, I actually did see that there was a. I think there was like a game in Ireland, and there was like a sold out, sold out stadium, like forty eight thousand. They're actually moving this game to a alternate stadium that's going to have over eighty three thousand seats in it. Because the Love demand that. was so high for people to be at this game. But um, there is also a friendly match. And I want to put emphasis on friendly. This isn't like a championship game uh, between mm-hmm. the U.S. and England at Wembley. Sold out in a day. Drew over 78,000 fans. Yeah. You can't so, tell me that nobody wants to watch women's sports. I'm sorry. No, absolutely not. And like that's just women's basketball and women's soccer. We're going to move on and talk a little bit about hockey, which I think this is, at least for me, when I was going over this, I was like, wow, that was this, that was in 2022. Um, (laughs) But the Olympic gold medal game between Canada and the U.S. uh, at the Beijing Olympics drew a peak audience of 2.7 million through CBC, making it the most watched event of the Beijing Olympics. It's wild. That's like, I remember, and the wild part about it, what I'm referencing is that that was in 2022. I know. Because that feels like so long ago. I know. I was looking at that. I was like, wow. no way. That's really in 2022? Like, what? Yeah. Um, and another thing that I think has gotten a lot of attention, I don't know if they were founded in 2022, but there's a couple of these all-female sports bars. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know the yes. sports bra is one of them um, in Oregon, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm that are doing like very well and it's so funny to see like the hate that comes in through it but they're full all the time um and just championing women's sports and also they do play some men's sports there as well Mm because equality right you gotta gotta have both yeah that is the definition of it right you gotta have both Yeah. yeah um yeah that's absolutely so amazing to see and then also I know this is like I guess it's like, is it 2021-22 or is it 22-23? Anyway, the PHF expanded the league and they to include a new team in Montreal this season, this past mm-hmm. season rather. 
And they also announced the day after our last episode, so we never got to cover it, but they announced that they're doubling their salary cap moving into the next season. Mm-hmm. Doubling their salary cap. Oh my God. Yeah. That's huge. And it's, uh, what's the, I think it's going from like 750,000 per team to 1.5 million. That's huge. Like if you think about, um, let's look up. What's the salary cap for the Boston Bruins? Taylor, what's your guess? I don't even know if I can like state a guess because I don't even know what the average salary cap is in the NHL. Well, (laughs) much bigger than 1.5 million. I can guarantee you that. Well, when one, when one player is making, uh, 6 million as a base (laughs) salary, so solid it's yeah going from you know 700 and something thousand to 1.5 million I don't think that people really and truly understand how much of an impact that's going to make on women's sports because Mm -hmm. you're going to see that the players that are making a couple thousand dollars a year Mm -hmm. it's not going to be a thing anymore yeah absolutely Um, and the closer that we get to that maybe two million dollar mark two and a half three four now players don't have to have two jobs. Now players don't have to miss practice because, um, you know, they can't get out of work on time. Um, and you'll see players with full-blown resources like a full-time AT, a full-time physiotherapist, chiropractor. Full-time mental performance coach. Ooh. Yeah, right? Like all of these things are what come along with money Mm -hmm. and this money isn't coming out of nowhere guys it's not coming from you know just one person who cares about women's sports it's coming from increased viewership it's coming from investors it's coming from fans Mm -hmm. um so that's super exciting yeah absolutely and i can't wait to see like what's going to happen in the following years because i can only imagine i mean we're talking about what how the the nwsl only has 13 teams and obviously like that's a a very small pool for all of these elite athletes to be able to fit into right and it's different for the phf as well and i'm hoping you know somewhere down the line that the the phf and the pwhpa can kind of get their shenanigans sorted out because i i don't think that it's truly necessary to have two leagues and I don't think that merging those two is going to dilute any sort of talent I think it's going to do the exact opposite I think you're going to see other people start to elevate their game because they're being forced to because the competition is much much higher than it was before yeah and the reality of it is and not a lot of people know this but women don't peak physically like athletically until their mid to late 20s yet the majority of us are done playing in college or before that. So like before you're 21 years old. Mm -hmm. So the majority of our athletic development and strength development comes after you're retired, which makes no sense Mm -hmm. in terms of the way that our career trajectories are. Mm -hmm. So if we're talking about, Oh, if you have more teams, you're going to dilute the talent. No, you're giving players the opportunity to develop the talent they haven't been able to get to yet. Like that is what this is all about. You're not peaking in college because that's just biologically not how it happens for female athletes. 
Say it for the people in the back. <laughs> oh, I'll say it louder. It's not how it works for female athletes. If you give them the place to develop into the later years of their career, you're going to get better athletes. It's wild to me. <laughs> I wish everybody else also understood that concept. It would be life-changing and game-changing, 100%. Yeah. Well, and we're seeing the same thing happen, and they're having this conversation in the NHL a little bit right now um, with Tage Thompson, Mm -hmm. who a few years back was a really, really high draft pick. Like He was in the top five and didn't really produce a lot. He bounced around in the NHL, down into the AHL, um, and couldn't really find his footing, was not producing on a stat sheet at all for his first couple seasons. And now that he's a little bit older and he's matured, he is absolutely tearing it up um, playing for Buffalo this year. And it's starting to change and shift the conversation around, you know, what expectations we put on those top draft picks, Mm -hmm. but also what development should and could look like through your first couple seasons in the big leagues, because it's a huge development piece. Like, oh, for sure. Such a transition. Well, we talk about like the, the skill gap all the time. And that's like one thing that we focus on when we're working with athletes is okay. Like, where is it that you want and need to be versus where are you at now? And I think when you're talking about, you know, going from like playing in the O to being a draft pick for an NHL team, that's a huge skill gap. And there's so much development that needs to happen before you're going to be able to really compete at that level. Unless you're, you know, like a, a Connor McDavid type and you're like the one in a thousand hundred thousand whatever that is for him mm-hmm. but you know what I mean right like it's it's a challenge to be able to step in and have a lights out season your first couple seasons and then if you don't produce within that, that time mm-hmm. you don't care you don't get the numbers see ya yeah and I mean I'm thinking off the top of my head right like the generational athletes that we've known that did it right in the first season when we when they got to the NHL I'm thinking of like the Wayne Gretzky's of the world Ovechkin Crosby McDavid and probably this generation it could be like a Connor Bedard Mm -hmm. yeah for sure but that's four to five athletes out of the hundreds that play Mm -hmm. and the thousands that get drafted so they're not the norm but we expect it to be whereas we should be looking at those athletes and saying like I don't know how you, what you have done to break the code here, but it's astounding. It mm-hmm. truly is because it's such a huge talent gap that you have to make up that the fact that they're able to produce that way in their first season, jumping that talent gap is like, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, and there's a reason that there's only a handful of names that can come up every like what 10 years or so maybe five like it doesn't happen very frequently for a reason yeah but there's another thing I did want to talk about before we move on and that Mm -hmm. is something that I actually would love to have someone with maybe a little bit more knowledge on this come in and chat with us eventually but Mm -hmm. the nil deals that are going on the name image likeness deals going on at the university and college level have -hmm. been an absolute game changer for female athletes huge and so for those who don't know women's sports occupy six of the top 10 highest earning sports by nil compensation so i 
this topic like really intrigues me because I just think about, you know, if I was in like school and like able to make money through this type of route, that would have been so amazing. Like, I think I would have been less stressed out as a, as an athlete about like funding my, my schooling and funding, getting new gear or whatever that looked like at the time and be compensated for all the things that not just female athletes, athletes in general do to promote all of the brands that are associated Mm -hmm. with our sports. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of funny if you're not familiar with the terminology nil, it's um, name, image, and likeness, which basically allows athletes to get compensated by donating their name, image, and likeness to some kind of brand or a company or whatever. Um, And it is, it's a really touchy subject in the NCAA because it's, it's kind of turned the NCAA's understanding of amateur on its head. Because if you're amateur, you couldn't be getting paid as a result of your sport. And when you're not getting paid by your sport, but you're at an institution to play that sport, then the institution and the governing body basically owns you as an athlete. Mm -hmm. Um, So touchy subject because, you know, there's a lot of implications and a lot of letdown from that rule change that are, you know, the NCAA was getting sued for monopolizing the market. Now they're looking at, well, if we're just going to keep getting sued, we're going to pull out of the rule game altogether. So what's that going to look like? And now there's conversations about the NCAA basically dissolving because it's just not going to be sustainable to govern a group of athletes that are getting paid to play and all the different rule changes are, I can't even get into it. They're wild. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that we have to keep in mind how much something like a nil deal helps female athletes. We're not talking about, you know, the Ohio state football quarterback who's getting a G wagon through his NIL. Like that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a female athlete that, you know, it gets endorsed by a supplement company and she already uses the supplements on a daily basis. And people see her with those things on a daily basis. Now she's just getting supported by them. Mm -hmm. And because um, women's athletics doesn't have that peak salary in pros yet. Getting that little bit of extra funding can go such a long way mm-hmm. for being able to support themselves, not have to get a job right out of college. Like all that kind of stuff is so important to consider. Well, and you can also be like a little bit less stressed in terms of like financial standpoint, right? And you can focus Absolutely. a little bit more on perfecting your sport, perfecting mm-hmm. your craft. Like I can, I know so many people who were always like plagued by like, like I need to make payments and like being stressed about money. And like, I know at one point, like I was, I was like spreading myself so thin. Like I had a part-time job on top of being a full-time athlete, full-time student volunteering at uh, Mm -hmm. like the Stu, the Stu Sack council. Like I was, I don't know how I did it. I look back and I'm like, wow you know, kudos to you, because if you asked me to do that now, I don't think that I could do it. (laughs) We had so much energy back then. (laughs) Uh, But I wouldn't give to be 21 again. (laughs) Or in the case of our next topic, under 18s, what would we do? Um, Obviously, this tournament just concluded uh, super, honestly, the prelims were some of the best 
under 18 women's hockey that I've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, Canada ended up winning everybody just so that we know Canada defeated um, Sweden in the final, the final score, not something that I think dictates how well Sweden performed throughout um, the tournament. Canada ended up winning 10, nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, let's talk about it. This this tournament was crazy for so many different reasons. Oh, yeah, for sure it was. And I think, like, for me at least, like, the first thing that came to mind that, like, really shocked me was the U.S. being upset by the Swedes. I was, like, yeah. mind blown. Like, what? They, for the first time, missed the gold medal game at the U18 Women's Worlds. Mm-hmm kudos to sweden the hosting country because i'm sure that they really needed that boost too and the support that they had was phenomenal throughout the entire tournament yeah yeah it they sold out the arena for um sweden's first game Mm -hmm. and then i know they sold it out again for the championship game which is like amazing and they had pretty good crowds for the remainder of the games but we're just starting to see that like compete level between um, not just Canada and the U S Sweden is is showing up. Oh yeah. Like it's the Testament to the development that these nations are doing and to the growth of women's hockey in general. Mm -hmm. Um, Finland also took Canada to OT in the semifinals. And that's one that I wanted to talk about too, because the prelims were a rough go for them. So rough. Yeah, eight nothing, eight to one, six to one, and I think they and, won over Czech or Slovakia before yeah. going in to uh, to the game against Canada. But I was just like, mm-hmm. "Wow!" Yeah, and I was able to talk to Tara Watchor and just got back, and she mm-hmm. was the assistant coach of Canada, um, and she was talking about it and. She, she said after that game, they were just sitting in the locker room as coaches going like, what do we need to do? Like, do we need to change something? Mm-hmm. Because Finland just played so well. And I remember watching that game on the edge of my seat the entire time. Yeah. Like my heart was beating so fast watching it from a couch. Mm-hmm. And I remember having a conversation about it and saying like, I wonder if they just figured out how to play against Canada. Like, mm-hmm. this is what we have to do. Be super opportunistic. And they had a great goalie in that. What, her name, I think it's like, you should know this because you're taking Finnish classes. It's, um, <laughs> I think you pronounce it Huyahakla. I'd have to see the, sure. how, it's, how it's spelled, but most likely that sounds somewhat right. Yeah. She stood on her head, had the game of her life, and wow was it entertaining to watch I yeah couldn't get over it I was it was funny before uh before we watched that that game my boyfriend and I watched together obviously he's finished so he's like all right what are your what are your bets on the game and I said I was like I think Canada's gonna win three two and he's like are you serious like there's no way like Canada's gonna blow blow out Finland like they got blown out the first time can like Finland's been struggling a lot and I was like yeah but there's been other tournaments where in the prelims Finland struggles a lot but when it comes time to show up for a medal game mm-hmm. they actually show up and they play quite well and they compete and we saw that also at the Olympics too so 
that's kind of where I was coming on on the basis of and I was actually really pleasantly surprised with how they played to be honest yeah I thought they played well and like the saddest part is at the more the more times I've watched the replay of that overtime goal it was a great effort by Canada but I'm I'm pretty sure one of the Finnish D actually pushed it over the line which oh really yeah it I'm I don't know it looks pretty close because again goalie made the initial save and the puck kind of got lost underneath her pads yeah and then okay. all the D came rushing back and I'm I'm pretty sure that's what happened oh. which is just gut-wrenching to think about that uh, is that is um, I'm just looking up the the name of the goalie here what how did you pronounce it again uh, Huya Hakala something like that Huya Kertu oh Oh, Kuya. Yeah, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Kuya Halkala. Yeah, that's correct. Very good. Look at me go. It's because I heard it. It's because I heard it so much on the broadcast because this young woman was out of her mind in that wild. If you haven't watched every day, watch it. Oh my God. I was like, whoo, keeping them in the whole game. But, uh, But yeah, so. Another big one to have to talk about is the 14-year-old, uh, no, how do you pronounce her last name? Uh, Lopez I think Sanova, it's like, yeah. Uh, from Slovakia was the first ever Michigan goal in women's IHF, IHF tournament. Yeah. That was an astounding goal. I was jaw drop. I had to like physically pick my jaw up. I was <laughs> bonkers. So good. So skilled. She's 14 years old. So reminder, she has, she has three more years of eligibility in this tournament <laughs> after this year. Mm-hmm. And for reference, if you're coming from Canada or the U.S. and you get to play in this tournament twice, that's pretty huge. Yeah. She has the opportunity to play in this tournament four times. Mm-hmm. She's 14 years old. Um, she led the tournament in scoring with nine goals and how many assists? Mm. Well, she had 12 points, so three, 12 assists. Points three assists. So the kid's a goal scorer. Um, and in the, she plays in a men's league, like a U18 or U16 boys league. And then she plays in the women's professional league in Slovakia. And I wonder what team does she play for in Slovakia? I'm not sure. That. But there's some stat um, that in her U16 boys league, so she's still an underager in the boys Mm -hmm. league, she has like 65 points in 25 games or something wild. And it's around the same for the women's professional league. She's a phenom. It's crazy. Okay, yeah. Like she's, so she's played six games and Mm -hmm. has... 25 points oh god and that's in the women's league and the men in the u16 boys league she's got 10 games played with 31 points 15 goals 16 assists jesus murphy all right so clearly someone to be looking out for moving forward not just in this tournament but on like the national stage because i can guarantee you there's no way she's not going to the olympic stage after after this like yeah for sure yeah tournament mvp also named the all-star team obviously obviously 
Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Canada's Caitlin Kramer, huge standout for Team Canada, setting two new world, not world records, but two new records, uh, most goals scored by a Canadian in a single tournament, surpassing the golden child, Marie-Philippe Poulain. And then yeah. also the fastest three goals scored by an individual in U18 Women's World's history, surpassing Kendall Schofield. So, big tournament. The company she's her. in. Yeah. And the, like, I remember on TSN, they listed the other people that she just surpassed. Mm-hmm. And you're looking at the names on there, and they're all Olympians. And yeah. I think comparing. Was Brian Jenner on there one? I think yeah. Brianna Jenner was on there. Um, I want to say that Spooner, Natalie Spooner was on that list as well. Um, there's another, there's like a Jessica, Jessica Campbell. There. there we go. That's what I was yeah. looking for. Yeah. So all of these um, women that she's just surpassed are either multi-time Olympians um, are now coaching at the highest levels. Like mm-hmm. she is in amazing company. Um, mm-hmm. She's heading to University of Minnesota Duluth for college so they've got a good one that program is growing so I expect her to have a really great college career Mm -hmm. yeah with the understanding that going from high school to college is another talent jump that you have to make but yes um she just like she was fast the whole Mm -hmm. tournament oh yeah so she was I was like watching her and I'm like wondering I don't even know if there's like some girls in the league that I'm playing and can skate that fast to be honest. Yeah. I'm yeah. wondering. Um, yeah. But she, she also led the tournament in goal scoring with 10 goals in five games, which is massive. And of course was also named to the all-star team as well. And I'm just looking at the list of this like all-star team and it might be one of the most spread out ones I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like Very you've diverse. got this. The goalie from Sweden, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Um, Mira Jungakar from uh, Sweden, she is going to be a an A1 defender at any level that she chooses to play at. Um, and then you have a USD alongside her, Molly Jordan. And then on forward, you've got Caitlin Kramer, Canada. Um, Paulina Salonen. Mm-hmm. From Did I say that right? Yeah. From Finland. And then uh, Nella Lupusanova from Slovakia. Like I've never, I don't think I've ever seen an all-star team with one Canadian and one U.S. player on it. Mm-hmm. Which is like, again, this is just like another, another like leg of proof to show that like women's sports are growing and they need to be covered people. Like I can't, yeah. I can't express this enough. And that is like, I think going to be like the biggest thing happening in 2023 is we're going to see even more exponential growth in women's sports in terms of coverage, in terms of salary, in terms of sponsorships, like we're going to see massive, massive increase. And like, this is the time, like if not yesterday, today is the best time to get this done. Yeah. Yes. Yesterday preferred, but (laughs) 2022 preferred, Yeah, but we will settle we're here yesterday now. and today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're here now. So that's, that is like the year in review kind of in terms of women's sports. Um, anything else you want to talk about to sum up? 
nothing like nothing really in particular just like so stoked to see all of the growth that's happened over the past year really excited about what's going to be coming forward in 2023 not just for women's sports but also for our podcast as I said earlier like lots of stuff coming down the pipeline that Lauren and I are going to be drumming up in terms of guests in terms of community um, Mm -hmm. and hopefully we'll have some other fun events down down the the way at some point this year but yeah yeah, I'm I'm super stoked about it. And I mean, we could have gone into like an hour long discussion just talking about the mental side of what's going on in women's sports. And mm-hmm. um, I do think it's worth having the conversation about how um, mental health is being addressed in sports this year, what strides are being taken, um, where mental performance is starting to fit into all this, um, because we are seeing a transition from athletes looking for that edge it used to come from I mean at least when I was growing up getting your own personal trainer Mm -hmm. um, getting someone who could give you sports specific personal training now that edge is coming from the mental gym Mm -hmm. and more and more athletes are starting to seek it out I'm really excited to see how that plays out coming up this year and uh, we'll definitely be having conversations about it yeah absolutely and you know I'm just gonna drop the little nugget here since we've been talking about this it's in the work still so this is just like a maybe I'll put like a a question answer kind of poll in the the Spotify notes for anybody who listens through Spotify you can like actually interact and engage with some polls there which I didn't know until recently um but anyway so what we want to do is to have like an actual brain training for athletes course through our listeners through the podcast. So that would mean that you get to interact with people from different parts of the world, from different sports, get to share experiences and connect and interact in that sense. Um, in a group setting, have a lot of dialogue with coaches and, and all these uh, amazing things on top of getting access to our 16 week program which offers a lots of, you know, exercises and tools and strategies to help you work on improving your performance in whatever sport you are in. So that's something that we're looking at doing down the line in 2023. So we'll drop that nugget there. Maybe leave a little question in the, in the poll to see if that's one that you might be interested in yourself, or if you know someone that might be interested in. Um, but there's going to be more details coming out on that, hopefully in the, the upcoming weeks. So stay tuned. Yeah. Super excited about it. Fill out the poll. It'll take two seconds, please. Yeah. And as always, we're going to ask if you liked this episode, if you've listened to the podcast for the first time, if you've been a longtime listener, please, please, please go ahead and leave us a rating and review on Apple or Spotify. It's going to help the podcast grow and reach new audience members just like yourself. So thank you guys so much for tuning in to the first episode of season two, and we'll see you next week. Bye.